Hey guys, welcome to the Marriage Plenials Podcast. It is 10, 12 p.m. on Monday, October 28th. Welcome back and thanks again for listening. And if you're new, hey, we're your hosts, Rochelle. And Samuel Shoyola. We're the creators of MarriagePlenials.com, where we help millennials seek God's design for faith, smart dating, marriage, and financial literacy. Pretty much, we teach millennials to honor Christ before a spouse and with one and prepare them for family if that is a current desire they have. All right, before we get started, as always, we want to tell you where you can keep the convo going with us after the end of the podcast, as well as some housekeeping for the site. This will be posted on the site, marriageformillennials.com. So if you have any questions, feel free to comment below on that particular post, or you can also visit the Facebook page, backslash MF Millennials. Rose Twitter and IG handle are at Rochelle Shayola, and mine is at Samuel Shayola. So feel free to follow and talk with us there as well. Also, the podcast is on all listening outlets, so subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Just type Marriage for Millennials in the search bar, and it will pop right up for you. Last thing, if you've been following, or even if you haven't, there are a ton of cool things on the site, from books to free courses, products, and more. So feel free to check those out as well. Alrighty, guys, let's, let's jump, jump in. in. Hey guys. What's going on? Hope everybody's doing well out there. Yes, we're back with another podcast. Um, hoping you wrapped up a great weekend and had a great start to your week. Um, it was pretty pretty moderate for us. What would you say? Yeah, pretty good week. Um, well, the, the week was productive and then uh, on the weekend we did some... Chilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we chilled Household Friday. Household cho- chores and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Got the clean house. Um, Saturday, I went and hung out with some friends. And Sunday, we just, you know, rested and watched TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just chill stuff. Average weekend. Yep. Yep. Well, all right. Let's get right into the podcast. Today, I'm excited because um, I didn't think we were going to continue this series, but um, it just happened that way. And so today we're doing another installment to the Leaving and Cleaving podcast that we've done. Um, These podcasts are one of our podcasts that get listened to a lot. So I'm happy that we're adding to this. Um, And this one is being titled Leaving and Cleaving, Siding with Your Spouse and How Millennials Misinterpret This. Um, And this is pretty much from a couple things. Um, We've been watching Man Rampant um, by Doug Wilson and Friends. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of our favorite podcasts to listen to right now um, lately has been It's Good to Be a Man. Um, And if you're unfamiliar with this kind of content, um, pretty much there has been kind of like a resurgence, wouldn't you say? Reemergence, yeah. Yeah, like a resurgence of of Christian content for men that is just manly, right? Like it's just manly content, um, which I'm super grateful for. Um, I think if you look at church, it has become very much so feminized um, and men aren't really attracted to it anymore. Yeah. I mean, there's like the 60-40 split and there hasn't been any account. Well, there's been no reasoning as to why that is. And finally, people are starting to recognize that 64. Like if if the world's 50-50, then why can't the church be 50-50 with men and women, right? Why are men fleeing the church? And, and a, lot of, a lot of these things are explained there. Right. So, um, again, like 
like I was saying, you know, men, they're not really attracted to it anymore and because they feel like they're not getting the proper tools to lead. And so what's happening is they're actually starting to look at like secular voices to teach them how to lead their homes practically, right? Beyond the idea of just, oh, happy life, happy wife, happy life, and um, servant leadership. Like, you know, if 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 your house is array or your marriage is array, you just need to learn how to serve better. And men are kind of like, well, what does that even mean? Or like, I need tools beyond that. Right. Um, and so this is somewhat kind of like a new wave of content that Christian men have been enjoying. And to be honest, um, as a wife, I, you know, secretly love listening to things like this with Sam. Like, we'll watch it together or listen to things together like this. Um, because it's definitely good to see my husband um, consume great content. And it lets me know how my husband should be leading me. But also, it challenges me. Some of the things that I hear challenges me to be a better wife. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much kind of how we got here with this podcast that we're going to do today. So um, we want to talk to you guys about um, siding with your spouse and how millennial marriages um, misinterpret this leave and cleave biblical command. Yeah. So, I mean, I think with uh, this particular topic, let's start with like intentions. Like what, what is it that people, what, what, what are they going into this wanting to do? And I think uh, in general, most people mean well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's important that we level with you guys in saying that, you know. Um, and what we mean by that is, like, millennials, we're trying to do the best we can with the wisdom that we have, right? right. And so it's like, you know, you mean you mean well, right, when you leave and cleave. You mean well when you say happy wife, happy life. Right. And so, like, before you get married, you know, people immediately <laughs> start saying things to you like, you know, get ready to leave and cleave or, you know. The way you win at marriage is happy wife, happy life, mm-hmm. right? And um, in addition to that, you know, I think that millennials are really, really determined um, to not let their marriages end in divorce. And that's great, right? Yeah. And, you know, with all of those things in your brain, you're already entering marriage just with this pressure of wanting to make sure you're in unison with your spouse, right? Which is a godly desire. You know, we're not doing this podcast to tell you to have unnecessary division in your home at all, right? But as a result, a lot of people misinterpret this command and a lot of us don't really understand what we are leaving and cleaving to or for. Right. And so what happens is, you know, people leave and cleaves to feelings and emotion um, over truth. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that kind of goes into our next point about like what it... When we say leave and cleave, that means, in other words, me and my wife, we're going to be uniting around, oh, what are we going to be uniting around? Are we going to be uniting around what I just arbitrarily decide is a good thing today, or what my wife arbitrarily decides is a good thing today, or are we going to be uniting around what truth is, which we know the truth is in the gospel. We know the truth is in the word of God. Right. So um, leaving and cleaving, it's a biblical command, meaning that the Bible should be the center of your marriage. Um, I think, um, you know, when people say, oh, it's you, your spouse and God, um, that's kind of what they mean. Like, you know, the Bible is there to be your central guidelines of how, you know, you should be acting because um, regardless of what side of the spectrum you fall on, um, you know, as husband or wife, you are still um, a human. Yeah. A sinful human, meaning that you need the, you know, 
the word to be that final say. Yeah. And this, by the way, is I know some people think like that we're calling you to like a a harder a harder call, a harder calling or a harder um a, a harder lifestyle and in some degrees it is but in the in the other sense it actually when you when you put it in its context should put some relief on you because you're not making your spouse the center of your world right you're not making them because that's a, a tremendous amount of pressure by the way if i put my wife as i'm going to make everything revolve around her or she puts me as though everything's going to revolve around me as opposed to we are going to, you know, orbit the sun in this in this in this particular route and we're going to make sure that we are are trying to make it the center of our of our um of our world. That way that that way that everything from that center then makes more sense. It it, it orients itself more easily. Right. And so, you know, it pretty much just means don't make your spouse your God as opposed to Christ. And this doesn't mean that you shouldn't be loving or that you shouldn't consider your spouse. Um, but it means that God gets the last word, right? It kind of reminds me when I hear people say things kind of like, you know, um, you know, my spouse runs this house or my wife runs this house. You know, I kind of cringe when I hear things like that because um, there's something that I always tell Sam is like when you say something directly, sometimes, not all the time, but when you say things directly, sometimes you're also saying things indirectly as well. And yeah, you say things explicitly and implicitly. And right. when you, when you, it's just, you know, all right, to take the, let's take the heat off the wise for a second. Like there, this happens also with children. Right, a child will be born, and someone will be like, "Well, you know, I gotta go talk to the boss," and they'll be talking about maybe their child, um, you know, a son or daughter, or whatever, like that. And um, and and that's the same, like saying that the child is the one that runs the house. We get what you mean, but you're also saying something else as well. Right. Same thing for your wife. Um, if if you're always saying that, um, if you're constantly saying to your to your buddies, like, you know, you know who who the boss is. I gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, run that by run that by the, the boss before I go ahead and do that. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, definitely considering your wife. However, what the point of what we're saying is that there's a level at which men are voluntarily abdicating their own leadership and their own headship um, to their wives. Right. So, um, you, so just to kind of make that more clear, um, you know, sometimes when you say things like that, oh, my wife runs the home, it's like what you are communicating to people, especially me, is that you might have some issues or um, hesitations with leading your home. Um, and so and so that's kind of wrapping up that point of leaving and cleaving being a biblical command, being that the Bible should run your marriage. Your yeah. wife shouldn't run your marriage. Your husband shouldn't. Your husband leads your marriage. Um, but what should be running your marriage is God's word, which mm-hmm. decides how you do anything in your marriage. Exactly. Um, and so this leads us to our third point. You know, what we're saying is not fun, right? Your spouse may not always like this. Facts. Um, I think that there's this false notion that if you, I mean, and especially the guys, right? I think there's this false notion that if you make a decision that is contrary to your spouse or you disagree with your spouse and they don't like it and they throw a temper tantrum, right, um, that you failed as a spouse or as a husband when in reality, um, you know, you're doing your spouse a disservice when you don't call them out with God's truth. Yeah, I mean, um, me and my wife, we were talking about this before, like with, with regards to the temper tantrum type of um, metaphor. And 
you know, you see a kid crying after you discipline them, right? And you're sitting there thinking about how you can console them and all this stuff like that. But really, sometimes in that moment, they need to go through that hard learning process of the pain that they're going through, right? Um, or the anguish that they're dealing with, with particular response to the sin that they've committed. Um, and it's not your job to then, you know, coddle them in that moment and and remove the learning the learning opportunity that, that is there for them. Right. And it's not to say, of course, that your spouse is a child, but it is to say that as children of God, we do throw temper tantrums when we want our own sinful ways. And so, um, you know, your spouse is not always going to like it when you lead with truth over emotion. I think a lot of times what happens is, though, many people just want peace in their marriage, especially millennials. Um, like I said, that pressure to, to not want to have contention just, yeah. just, just because of, you know, fear of just, you know, the past, statistics and things that we've seen in marriage in the past so a lot of people just want peace so they choose not to correct their spouse for the sake of peace um because it's just an easier route um but sometimes you just have to let people be mad (laughs) yeah i mean there there are there are i even grew up with this personally like many times where you know you hear i would hear my dad even say please for the sake of peace for the sake of peace, please, you know, and 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 sometimes it's okay for the sake of peace, but like you don't sacrifice peace for truth, and um, I think um, whenever you do sacrifice peace for truth and you build your relationship on the foundation of a lie, it's a recipe for disaster. Right, and so yes, your spouse is not always going to like it, but it's still good anyway. Right. So we want to kind of give you some examples of leaving and cleaving with truth, some things that um, we've learned, um, and just some general concepts as well that we feel like common um, millennial marriages go through. Um, So yeah. So we got husband's anger. Um, We also have uh, wife's anxiety. Um, Husband's lack of leadership. We have Wives holding uh, of grudges, husband's relationship with Christ, and the wife's tongue. Yeah, so let's break that down. Husband's anger. So if you um, notice that your husband is speaking to you you or someone else um, in words that are just not um, filled with wrath or just not, you know, of God. They're not edifying. Right. Um, You know, it's your job, whether he likes it or not, as a wife, to, um, you know, correct him with the word. Right, exactly. And, and you know, I remember when I heard um, Vody Bauckham at a particular, uh, um, he had come in town uh, in, into, uh, in Gwinnett County and we were listening to him. And uh, we had went to that seminar and he specifically said something that resonated with me because growing up, my father always called his wife, my mom, uh, he would always call her mine. And I used to love that. I used to really, I even called my wife it sometimes. But... um he was like, she's not just mine, she's me. And that really hit home for me because you wouldn't use those words even against yourself if you knew you were saying them, like if you saw your wife as yourself. Right. Like if you would, if you would before you cut your wife, think about, think about it as though you're cutting yourself and you wouldn't do that to yourself. So why, why use those particular words? Find encouraging and 
um, other ways of communication. I know sometimes, based off whatever culture it is that we that we grew up in, we don't we we haven't even sat down to realize is there another way that I can say this in a constructive way? Right. Um, I think oftentimes in my own culture, I'm sure some of you can relate in your own cultures as well, that you just think that I just got to say it in this negative way and that's, and that's, that's all there is to it. And it's just going to hurt that person. Well, in some cases that might be necessary, but I think oftentimes that if we just peel back the wrath and we speak about it in a, in a um, more constructive manner, things can be a lot more biblically based as opposed to the way that we feel in the moment with with emotion. Right. And so we also talked about your wife's anxiety. Um, I think this is like something like I have anxiety. I have social anxiety. And, um, you know, Sam and I talk about this and there are times when my anxiety will literally become sinful. Like I will be cutting up and Sam will have to be like, I know you're anxious, babe, but this anxiety has turned into sin. And it's his job to tell me that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, next we have husband's lack of leadership. Yeah, I mean, um, this is, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more at the uh, towards the end of the podcast as well, but if I could boil it down, essentially it is, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, this is one of the curses that fell upon man when uh, when the when the fall happened, and when the fall happened, God told um, Adam that because you listened to your wife, in other words, because you took your role of headship and you decided to put that aside, and as opposed to listening to me, you listened to your wife. Right? That is a lack of leadership. You showed a lack of leadership in that moment. You did not lead your wife well. And therefore, you are now cursed. And by the way, the rest of mankind. This is the tendency that men have, uh, husbands in particular have, um, when they're in marriage with their wives, is to do that. Yeah, and sometimes, um, even without the wife, I just want to add this, even without the wives, there are husbands that lack the, the courage to lead. And sometimes they're not necessarily listening to their wives per se. Sometimes they're just not leading at all. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, like I, there's a big difference of, of of men who are choosing not to lead because they're leading. They're listening to their wives incorrectly, and versus men who just don't have that hardworking desire to be responsible right. and lead a home. Yeah, and so like you know. That's and that's another aspect to lack of leadership. Like if you see that your husband is not good at making executive decisions, he doubts himself. He um, is always second guessing his moves. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, as 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 a wife, um, it's okay to tell your husband, "Hey, babe, I think you know." there's a better way you can be leading us. Or I want to encourage you to be confident in your leadership. And, you know, he may be like, I don't want to hear that. Or, you know, that might hit his ego a little bit, but it's still, it's still right for you to say. Yeah. It's right for you to encourage him in that way. I think that, um, when you, when you really boil it down, you have to, you have to really say to yourself, like, okay, um, you know, there's this concept that you often hear uh, in some of these circles about alphas and betas, right? And like sometimes what you what you'll see is um, you'll see like uh, 
certain characters like that in the Bible as well. There are certain people who just, they they heard God's word and they unabashedly just went and did it. They didn't care about the fallout. They didn't care about how bad it was going to be. Um, alphas. And there are some people, like one of the greatest leaders is Abeda. Um, definitely would be Moses. Um, he was like, but God, I'm a stammerer. But God, like, are you sure I should go out, you know, and, and do X, Y, and Z? You know what I'm saying? And these were great things that he that God used Moses for, but he was definitely always a second guesser of his own ability, which is totally fine. He needed encouragement, right? Um, you heard encouragement come, for example, in the form of um, uh one of Moses' wives, his son, uh, one of Moses' wives um, uh, came after they, uh, after they were liberated from Egypt and said, you know, you can't do this on your own and gave him words of encouragement of how he can set certain elders, certain people as leaders amongst these different tribes and, and allow them to help him in his leadership. So, you know, I think that there are different levels, that there are different types of personalities and based off those personalities, you should definitely curtail your your the way that you encourage your husband um, based off his personality type. Right, but the 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 main concept here is, um, it's you you should say you should you know be confident in encouraging your husband to lead better. Um, the next point that we have are um, wives holding grudges, um, you know. And we like we, this is another thing we're going to get into more as we get at, towards the end of the podcast. Um, but you know, um, there are a lot of situations in marriages where wives um, hold grudges towards their husbands, or even towards other women, or towards other you know couples, whatever. Um, and you know, sometimes we can kind of be like, "I want you to be on my side." You know, with, 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 and and we force our husbands to kind of do that. And sometimes our um, husbands can see us holding a grudge or suffering in forgiveness or even bitterness. And, you know, they can, they're supposed to try to call us from among those things. And, you know, even sometimes as wives, if we don't like it, um, you know, it's still their job to tell us that, um, yeah. Tell us the, that truth that we need to hear. And let's put a little bit more flesh on that, if you don't mind. So, like, it. Let's say, for example, <clears throat> an example that I've heard given was, let's say your wife gets into an argument with your neighbor. Okay, the neighbor does something that is clearly wrong. That you need to rebuke, right? As the husband, you need to go out, defend your wife, and rebuke the neighbor for doing that to 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 your wife. However, when you go further and you ask questions probing about what happened on the initial encounter with your wife, you find out that there are some things that your wife said that were provocatory that caused the neighbor to do X, Y, and Z. And while the neighbor should not have responded that way, there's also the responsibility of the husband at that moment to correct his wife as well for doing what she did wrong. Now, this kind of ties the last comment, the last uh, ex- example of husbands lacking leadership with wives holding grudges. Because what happens is the husband sometimes will correct his wife, and because he does both sides of both rebuking the neighbor and correcting his wife, sometimes the wife feels as though I'm not on your side, quote unquote, right? And the fact of the matter is, it's not that he's not on your side, he is 
on he he's on God's side, but he has to make sure that <clears throat> when it comes down to the situation, you are completely seeing the full orbed view on how these can be avoided in the future as well. Right. And so the next point we have um, is your husband's relationship with Christ. This is another big thing as well. Um, you know, like if there's some things you want to see more in the home, uh, maybe that would like, you know, devotion, praying together, um, things that you know that you should be doing in the home that you and your spouse are not doing or that your husband is not leading. Um, you know, that's another thing that, you know, you, you know, will want to tell your husband. And like we said before, you know, every man believes that he is leading the best way. Or, you know, they may say, yeah, I have a couple things to work on. But for the most part, they believe they're grand. You know, that's yep. just what we do as, as as human beings. We believe that we're better than we are. We have um, a hard time with self-examination. But that's one of the reasons why um, you're with your spouse, to help them do that. Um, and then the last um, point we have is um, your wife's tongue. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, you know, like we were saying, you know, when you hear this, especially from your spouse, they're not going to be like, oh, wow, babe, you know, thank you so much for this correction. Like, I really appreciate it. No, the first thing they're going to do is fight. And they're going to say, you you married me. Like, how, how, how dare you, um, you know, want to correct me or want to, um, you know, defend someone over me or whatever. You know, that's the first thing they're going to say. But, you know, when you leave and cleave incorrectly, you don't model Christ's idea for marriage, which is our next point. Yeah. I think when you when you when when you hear husbands or wives say that phrase, you married me, you have to think about it in terms of what is actually what's being implicitly said there, which is bow before my idol. Like you married me, my personality. uh, Don't get me wrong. Everybody has personalities, but. Whenever your personality is in sin, it is called to be cut off. That is not something that you're supposed to keep with you as you go in sanctification with Christ. So it it, it kind of ties the last one about husband's relationship with Christ as well. Um, with that, it's 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 something where you you don't just simply get to say, "My personality is the trump card," for which you should therefore kowtow to. In their husband's relationship with Christ? Correct. Okay. Um, so to our next point, when you leave and cleave incorrectly, you don't model Christ's idea for marriage. Um, you know, marriage is to make you holy. And, you know, what holiness comes with is correction and stripping away of things that aren't of God. And so when you refuse to correct your spouse with God's truth, you're doing marriage from a surface level standpoint. Like you get the basic concepts of marriage um, but you don't get the deeper you know spiritual um, means of what marriage is for Um, you know I remember like no matter how wrong like a wife may be may have been I used to be so envious of women whose husbands just kind of like went along with whatever their wife said because I was just like, you know, how awesome is it to, you know, just have a husband that rides for you um, and that just, you know, 
um, will cut off everything for you. Like, it's just an amazing feeling, right? Because, I mean, let me tell you, like, if, if I'm wrong, Sam be lighting me up with the conviction, right? Um, but, you know, then I had to say to myself, why am I envious of marriages where the wife is leading her husband to destruction and he's laying down to let her do it, right? You know, there are times when Sam corrects me and I cannot stand it and we fuss, right? Um, but, you know, in retrospect, I'm really thankful. You know, I'm really thankful that I'm not out here leading by my sin or my anger. And, you know, even if I am, I'm thankful that my husband doesn't play that. Like, I'm, ha- I'm, ha- I'm thankful that he doesn't allow me to do that and operate in that type of being, you know? knowing that he values my soul being right with God more than he desires the instant gratification of peace, um, you know, really makes me thankful. A lot of people have peace in their homes, but God isn't necessarily at peace with their souls. Yeah. I mean, and as husbands, you know, it's your job to make sure that your wife is without blemish. That's not only just physical, like abuse, right? Like, of course you're supposed to physically defend your wife, but you're also supposed to defend your wife spiritually, and, and that means sometimes defending her from herself. Um, I heard the phrase used, um, if you can't stand up to her, you cannot stand up for her. Um, and I think that that really kind of resonates and hits home here because it's one of those type of things where there's just a level at which men are, as my wife said, they're just agreeing. They're just agreeing for the sake of, I don't want any friction between me and my and my and my wife and it's like there's gonna be friction because we by the way there's gonna be friction on both sides because there's there's flesh there is flesh that has to be literally cut off and and let go that that was the whole the whole um metaphor of circumcision is the is the cutting off of the flesh it's going to happen when you're married to your wife you're you're both going to be circumcising your hearts and removing that um, those, those, uh, those fleshly desires. And, um, yeah, I think it, I think it, uh, it plays out in your, both your sanctification roles. Right. And, you know, there are ways where I do the same for Sam, um, where, you know, like he says, uh, you putting me on, 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 on the couch, like, you know, yeah. Putting, and so we do it to each other. Sometimes I got to sit on that couch and get a, get the mental breakdown. <laughs> All right. So that brings us to our, um, sixth point, um, wives um don't be manipulative um and so this is pretty much talking about how as wives sometimes we use um the but I'm your wife card as a crutch to enable us in our sinful ways um you know and I'm saying this because you know I've been that wife and I also know that the culture supports wives that do this right like, for example, your husband disagrees with you on how you feel on a topic or about a person um, and you pull the I'm your wife card. Or maybe if you don't like someone anymore, you know, you pull the I'm your wife card and force your husband to not like that person too. Right. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's manipulative. And, and the reason why it is is because, you know, you're using you're using God's command to leave and cleave in a sinful way. And then, you know, what you have are men that, you know, they just don't want to deal with the attitude. Um, so they just be quiet or maybe they feel like, you know, you'll refuse, you know, intimacy or sex from them. So 
they just do what you say. And, and, you know, and that's unbiblical really to deny your husband sex or try to use it as a control, controlling method, um, to get your husband to do whatever you want. Um, that's something that I think many women are coached by older women. Even they're like, okay, well, if you want your husband to do this, then make it so that he can't touch you unless he does this. And, um, women do that. And that's yeah. not biblical. Yeah, especially when, you know, like, I think we we were recently talking about this, about how, you know, the Paul says it. He says, for the, the husband body is not his own, it's his wife, and the wife's body is not her own, it's her husband's. And, like, you know, you know, one thing I, I, I do want to kind of put forward is that any self-respecting man is not going to be controlled by, you know, lack of sex per se before he makes a decision um now some men will some men like you know what i i ain't about to have no 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 type of strife with you right now um i'll just go ahead and get along to get uh, uh get along to get along i mean go along to get along i'm sorry and um and i think that that yeah that that is manipulative but um you know i think in general um we have to think about it just from a biblical context. You know, me and Ro are reading some proverbs on this about like when a woman is overly contentious and she's and she's just always ready to fight you as opposed to listen to what it is that you have to say as a husband. And uh, we had two proverbs in particular. Um, let's start with Proverbs chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-four, where it says, "It's better to live." on the corner of a roof than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Yeah. I I mean, I couldn't imagine being in a house that's that hot to where I'd have to literally sit on the corner of my roof and I'd rather be there than inside my house. Um, But you can imagine if you've ever fought with your wife before, how you feel like, oh my goodness, if I could just like get out of this, like I, I like, there's always a moment in the back of your head that says that. And that's exactly what that particular proverb is communicating. Yeah, and, you know, it can sometimes feel like that for our husbands when we are manipulative um, with um, what we want them to do. Um, And I think we have a second one, right, babe? Oh, yeah, uh, this is the funny one. Um, Proverbs 27, verse 15. A constant dripping on a day of steady rain and a contentious woman are alike. So there is your Chinese water torture <laughs> um, being compared to the contentious wife. Um, so we don't, we definitely, if anyone has dealt with that situation, I'm sure they know what that feels like. It, it will drive you crazy. It will drive you up a wall because you feel like you're not getting anywhere. You're trying to lead, but because she does not want to in any way, shape, or form submit to what it is that you're saying. And maybe there might be some communication issues that you can work on. But because she's not submitting to what you're saying, it literally is just like a constant drip. And, and that, as you know, um, with uh, certain types of torture, will drive you crazy. Yep. So that leads us to our seventh point. Um, we talked about the wives. Now we're going to talk about the husbands. Husbands. All right. So when it comes to the hubbies... Don't be manipulative either. <laughs> yeah, we have we have ways in which we are manipulative, right? Ours are a lot more overt um, because you do have a call for leadership, right? But are you going to just pull the trump card of, well, I'm the husband and you just need to listen to what I say? This goes back to what we said about your husband being being 
having a relationship with Christ and his uh his his study of God's word because it's not just your arbitrary as a husband it's not just your arbitrary whim that is dictating where your marriage is going to go um it's actually going to be God's word so you know don't use your head of household card to support your sinful desires as opposed to God's truth mm-hmm. um there's also some other kind of messed up ways I think we talked about this before in some other podcasts there's some men who are saying, you know, they, they, for example, they'll claim that they're very, you know, they're very coy with their words. They're very good with their, with their, with their tongues. And what they'll do is they'll convince their wives that, um, for example, um, I, I have attractions to other women outside of this marriage. And then all of a sudden they'll use that particular type of uh, closeness and communication with their wife to therefore manipulate her to, to think that it's okay to invite someone else in. You're using your leadership at that moment abusively. You're using your leadership in a very abusive manner, but she's kowtowing to it because probably he's a high-status man. Yeah, and High-status men... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. So high-status men t- typically have that particular type of um, level of influence over their women in which they can therefore ask them to do sinful things and because he's a high status man, they will overlook it. Yeah, and sometimes I kind of like to bring things closer to home because most of us, especially if you're a millennial, you're not with a high status guy. But it does. But but leading sinfully is not li- limited and only exclusive to high status men. Like there are times where men just want their way. Yeah. So like like let's let's try to make it as simple as possible. I mean, yeah. Say you're playing on an Xbox, right? And um, you know. You've been playing on it for long periods of time, and you know this might be a bad analogy, but um, you know you're playing it on it for long periods of time, and there's either something you could be doing in the house, or maybe your wife wants some affection from you, or whatever, whatever, whatever. And maybe you'll say something like, "Stop bothering me. I'll get to you when I'm ready. I'm the head of the household, so you have to listen to my command for you to go away." Right. That is an, an like examples yeah, like that, that level. That level of neglect, right, is definitely something that men on the on the everyday today cannot do um right i think also that um this is christian marriages i would hope that you're not <laughs> inviting other people into your your home you'd be surprised man it was hey it happened in the bible too happened in the bible too so yeah so um yeah husbands, abraham sarah hagar mm-hmm. man, the whole thing yeah so yeah husbands don't be manipulative as well and so um our last point to wrap up um, we want to encourage you that leaving and cleaving with truth um, strengthens your faith in God. And, you know, what we mean by this is that this is all a part of the sanctification process. Um, you are not necessarily going to get immediate results from your spouse, right? There have been many times in our marriage um, uh, where we both have had to come back to each other and say, May, you know, you know what? You were right back then. And in retrospect, I see um, what I was doing that I could have done better. And, um, you know, you have to be so confident that God will eventually soften the heart of your spouse so that you lead with truth and correction for them anyway. Yeah. And and you have to trust that the same. I mean, God was patient with you to give you the truth in the first place. Right. Um, he was patient enough with you to bring you to your spouse. Um, if you guys started with those vows stating that, um, you know, you were going to, you know, make this bond for life uh, under Christ, 
then you have to trust that, that Holy Spirit that, that convicted you will convict your spouse. Um, it will come back around. And, you know, it might not it might not look exactly like, babe, you know what, you were right. But it'll, it'll, it, you'll see it in one way or another. Right. Or like maybe if the same opportunity presents itself, you'll see your spouse handle it a better way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even if you get some backlash, you know, do it anyway. If they're upset with you now, they will love you for it later. Yep. You know, it just comes down to it that women love bold and courageous men, um, even if that means being bold and courageous against themselves. Yep. And men like wives that push them to be better husbands. Right. It, it causes us all to love one another even more. Yep. All righty, guys. That's all we got for you this week. Um, we hope you enjoyed this and we can't wait to bring you a new one um, soon. All righty, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.